Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Nick Pollock. And Nick, um, well, we're here. We are here. And Penn State is here. Um, Penn, Penn State's here for... I I don't want to say, Nick, the game that's going to define its entire season, because I almost feel like if they lose this game, a lot of people are going to think the Ohio State game is the one that defines their entire season. But having said that, boy, is this game important. Yeah, I mean, it's, <clears throat> you know, we've made this point several times, right? Like at the beginning of the year, this was the game that we had, a lot of people had circled as the more likely win between this and Ohio State. Um, so there's that factor. But then there's also the whole, like, if Penn State wins this game, they are in, you know, for all intents and purposes, they are in the driver's seat to win the Big Ten East if everything else kind of happens the way we expect it to happen. And that puts yeah. them in a really good position for a college football playoff berth. So, it's uh it's odd to be saying that but it's it's true it's weird yeah and obviously uh i'm a really good bit would be someone who like is listening to this podcast and has no idea what we're talking about uh (laughs) but uh what we're talking about obviously is the penn state and the lions are playing host to the michigan wolverines in beaver stadium on saturday afternoon it's the big noon kick uh, game on Fox. I believe Fox's pregame show is going to be there. College game day is not going to be there, uh, unfortunately. And uh, where is game day? I don't remember off the top. Is a uh, Georgia Tennessee? Is that a game this week? Tennessee, Missouri. Oh, uh, Georgia Ole Miss. I That's think they're right, Georgia yeah, Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, game day uh, made a mistake. Uh, but <laughs> I can't blame them because. The last time both shows went to the same place, Penn State lost to Ohio State, so it's a lot better, I suppose, but they're not going to be there. Uh, but yeah, Nick, I, I think I want to just start by talking about this game in the big picture and talking about coming into the season. You were one of the people who picked Penn State to go 11-1, correct? Mm-hmm. And was this the game that you predicted them to win? It was, yeah. So... Let I want to go back to the best of our ability to July, August, whenever we talked about this stuff, and ask you, what was it about this game when we were sitting there in the offseason trying to reject out Penn State's season that made you think that's the one that is kind of the swing game between 10-2 and two and 11-1, and one, and have your thoughts on that evolved for better or for worse? over the course of Penn State's season? Um, well, firstly, this is the one that I had circled. Um, you know, the the fact that it's a home game, obviously, was a big factor. James Franklin teams have played much better in these types of games at home than on the road. Um, I think also a factor, too, was that we had yet to see J.J. McCarthy kind of take that next step as a quarterback, I think. Um, so that's definitely a thing. And then, you know, the fact that they lost, you know, several good pieces from last year's team. So I think, um, I was still expecting Michigan to be very good this year. I just thought of the two that was, that seemed to be the more gettable game for, you know, those couple of reasons. I think, you know, if you, if I was posed that question now, knowing what I know about both these teams, I probably would flip that and say that I would expect them to have a better shot at Ohio State. But, you know, at the same time, like uh, my feelings about the home versus away thing haven't changed. So in that regard, I, I, I'm kind of in the same spot. Um, but honestly, that that opinion was more 
more due to the fact of how uh, normal Ohio State Ohio State's offense has looked than anything else. So I, um, yeah, I, 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 I do. I feel differently in that Michigan has been better than I expected, mostly because. JJ McCarthy has been better than I expected. Yeah. And I think he has taken the next step as a quarterback now. And that I think is the main worry for Penn state going into this game. I, I think that's fair. I, we're going to get into a couple of quotes that, um, that Penn state players have given about this game and how Penn state players and, you know, some folks in the media, et cetera, have basically said that what you expect out of Michigan's offense and what Michigan's offense actually are are two very different things. I mean, going back to last year's game, uh, I don't need to remind every, anyone how that went, but Michigan won that game 41 to 17. JJ McCarthy, 17 for 24, six yards, 145 yards, 6.0 yards per attempt, one interception. He didn't have to do it. His entire goal was don't mess up too badly. Mm-hmm. And even though he messed up really badly by throwing a pick six for Curtis Jacobs. Michigan was able to win this game emphatically on the back of a running game uh, where Donovan Edwards, 16 carries, 173 yards, two scores. Blake Corum, 28, 166, and two. And my concern coming into this season was that it was going to be really hard, even with the fact that Beaver Stadium has just been a weird place for Michigan over the years uh, under Jim Harbaugh for one reason or another. I go back to the 2021 game. For all that went wrong for Penn State, if two players don't run into each other, there's a very good chance they still knock off Michigan. Yep. But going into this year, I thought I didn't know if Penn State had enough to deal with the fact that Michigan could still shove them around. And what is so fascinating to me is Michigan has kind of evolved past we're purely going to shove you around to where they are now, where they are a team that is more reliant on quarterback play. And we'll get into that in a set. My my thoughts on the on the game have kind of evolved uh, for that reason, but I want to take one further step back, Nick, and I want to talk about what this game means in the big picture because I think you're with me, and you 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 agree with the take that I've seen pop up in a few places. That James Franklin is not overrated or underrated. He's the most like properly rated coach in America because he doesn't he beats the teams he's not supposed to. He doesn't beat the teams he's an underdog against. And that's just kind of the end of it. And this is a big game because it presents an opportunity for Franklin and for Penn State to, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, change a whole lot of perceptions about what this program is, what this program can be, and what this program can accomplish in the Big Ten East, Big Ten at home as a whole and in the college football playoff. Uh, yeah. The whole, the whole Josh Pate thing with Franklin being perfectly rated is a hundred percent correct. Like it's, you know, if you're going to talk about overrated, underrated, you got to look at the spreads and see how they perform against them. And to that regard, Franklin is spot on. Um, yeah. I, and you know, we, we could do a whole nother podcast and we have before about why James Franklin's record against top 10 teams compared to other coaches is such a flawed metric because, the top 10 teams that James Franklin has faced are always Michigan and Ohio State who are in and typically remain in the top 10, whereas, you know, you have other games where coaches are getting that inflated by like a week one, number seven, you know, jort, like some random team that then ends up dropping out of the whole list, top 25 entirely. Um, you, you can say Maryland. You could say Maryland. 
Yeah, exactly. Maryland. So, you know, obviously very, very flawed metric, but the very flawed metric when you use it to compare him to other coaches, but in the lens of just, you know, it's, it's basically just a measure of how has he performed against Ohio state and Michigan. And in that regard, you know, it's numbers are numbers. It's, it's spot on. It's, it, it is what it is. Um, were Penn State to be able to win this game, I think it's, you know, one, one, it's, <laughs> I mean, even it, just to remove myself from the question for a second, I think this is one of the first times, like, Penn State is not like a team that, like, non Penn State fans would necessarily rally around because they're one of, you know, the bigger <laughs> names in college football. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, a lot of reasons that people outside the program don't like Penn State. Everybody wants Michigan to lose now, so it's kind of fascinating yeah. to be on the on that side of things. Um, it's pretty fun, honestly. Um, but yeah, a, a win a win in this game would do wonders for James Franklin. Does it really change a whole lot about you know recruit like any of those like things that we really use as metrics like recruiting things like that? No, it's one game, and it you know presumably if it you know if it can lead to the playoff and all that stuff that's great but the whole playoff system is changing next year anyway penn state is going to be a perennial playoff team at that point so it doesn't really move the needle all that much in that regard but it's it's just it's really and you know actually i wasn't going to go down this pathway but now saying that leads leads me to it it's kind of james franklin's last real chance at a true truly impactful marquee regular season win now because like these games are still going to happen in future years but going forward like a week seven loss to Ohio State isn't debilitating the way that it is now in the current structure like going forward mm -hmm. now you can lose a game it's not gonna not really gonna matter for Penn State as long as you don't lose three so mm -hmm. in that regard it's you know yeah I hadn't thought about that before I said it. it's kind of his last shot to do something like this and I yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into it. I I think he has a chance to do it, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I mean, the only um, the only way it's the the way it can possibly be the way he can take advantage of the situations going forward with the expanded playoff is Penn State makes it to a national championship. Yeah. Penn State wins a national championship. Like Penn State, I, I've seen a bit of this from people. I disagree with it. I don't care about it, but I understand where they come from with it. Like, there are people who think there is basically no, like, th there are people who basically think, like, it's not worth celebrating or hanging your hat on uh, if you make it to the playoff as the 11 seed. And I get where they're coming from with that. Man. I don't want Penn State to be the kind of team that is consistently getting the 11 or 10 seed. I want Penn State sure. to consistently be the kind of team that is to be for a national championship, which is where I'm different. But I still think there is something to be said for being a team who's consistently in the dance. And we don't need to, be to, to uh, mention the talking point that has gone around the college football universe about how Penn State is like the team that would have benefited the most from the playoff even being a 16 player yeah. over the last however many. But it's there's... There's just this perception of Penn State, this perception of James Franklin that God, God, like people people really do forget the fact that before the 2021 game, which again is that one where if two Penn State players don't run into each other, there is a good chance Penn State wins this game. 
Uh-huh. Penn State had won three out of four against Michigan. If they ended up winning that 20-21 uh, game, Penn State's current winning streak against Michigan, or current like stretch against Michigan would be four out of the last six, with Michigan having not won uh, a game in Happy Valley since 2015. Yeah. And like, There's just all this stuff that is such a really good reminder of what one win can do for your team. And I have my doubts that Penn State are able, is going to be able to get that win. I like I I, I don't like you know I'm no I'm no Ryan Snyder, but I'm not going to sit here and tell. But like I don't think that any recruits are going to go. Wow, just because Penn State beat Michigan that one town, that means I want to spend the next four years of my collegiate career in Happy Valley, and then you know on the little Sunday night football thing, I say so and so Penn State University, but like. There is just so much that comes from winning one game of this magnitude. That talking point that you just that we've mentioned, Nick, about Penn State uh, never winning, you know, about the Josh Pate, uh, Penn State, James Franklin's properly rated thing, that goes out the window. All the various little narratives around the team don't fully go out the window, but they go out the window for long enough. And this opportunity is one that even before the season, everyone was saying was going to be there for Penn State. There were, you know, I think there were a, a collection of people who said Penn State would go 11-1, and one, beat Ohio State, lose to Michigan. But the far more overwhelming kind of narrative, 11-1, and one, beat Michigan in Happy Valley because that game is in-state college. And they defend their home field, they go 11-1. They're right there for a berth in the Big Ten Championship game, college football playoff, whatever. And now in talking about the game, as we move forward to this part of the podcast, Penn State is going up against a team that has been a juggernaut this year. Currently, Michigan is ranked number two in FPI, number one in SP+. And and they're number one in SP+, by some margin. They are number one over Georgia, Uh, by three and a half points. An example of how big that gap is, the gap between Ohio State and Penn State is 3.4 points. They're four and a half point underdogs. SP Plus has them winning scale. Like all this stuff and everything for me, Nick, comes down to Penn State's offense. I'm not too terribly worried. I'm a little worried about Penn State's defense. I am terrified in Penn State's offense against the number one defense of the country per SP Plus. What do you think? How confident are you in Penn State's ability to do much of anything against this Michigan team? Uh, not terribly confident. I, I like I so there's a lot of people that are right, you know, as expected, looking to extrapolate out the results from the Maryland game last week into you know the rest of the season, how that might uh, you know portend future success. And I think there is, you know, there is absolutely something to be said about the effect that just seeing their offense function the way it did, especially on the road, what kind of effect that could have on Drew Aller and the receiving core and the offense in general, because they they looked outstanding. Drew is throwing the ball over the middle of the field, and that opened up everything. It opened up the run game. It opened up the throws he loves to make to the sidelines, all that stuff. I I do... The one thing that I feel pretty confident in is that this is not going to be a repeat of the Ohio State game in that I don't think we are ever going to see 
a Penn State offense with Drew Aller look the way they did in that game again. I, I don't I don't see that happening. I think they have at least taken a step forward from where they were that day. The question is whether they have taken enough steps forward to do something against what is a very, very good defense. As everybody knows, hasn't played anybody, but mm-hmm. still a very, very good defense with a lot of very good players that we saw be really good in past years. Like we know there's there's not you know, this isn't a defense full of unknowns. It's not a, it's not an entirely brand new unit of starters against these teams that they haven't, that have nobody playing against them. And they, you know, we don't really know anything. We know guys like Mike Sanders still are great players. Like we, we know Mm -hmm. that. So like they're, it's, it's almost hard for me to even focus too much on, like, I, I feel like Penn state can maybe get to, maybe get to 24 points if their defense can get a couple turnovers. Like I think if you give the offense a short field, then they might be able to make something happen. But for me, it's, it's not even so much about like, like I can sit here and try to predict things about the Penn state offense all I want, but I think it's more just talking about like when the, when they get into these situations, what do they need to do? Like for me, like looking at this game, I think the biggest thing is when Penn state has the ball inside Michigan's 40 yard line, they must come away with a touchdown like straight mm. up like i think that is an absolute must if you settle for a field goal um more than once that could be that could be it that could be the death that could be the death knell right there like i think if you can get within 40 yards of their end zone you have got to find a way to score and i think james franklin is probably aware of that and i would expect them to be probably pretty aggressive on fourth down in this game um, as long as they're on that side of the field or near near the midfield, at least. Um, but that's you know that's that's where my head goes in immediately when I think about Penn State's offense versus the Michigan defense. Is like Michigan's defense is very opportunistic. They're they have yeah I think thirteen interceptions on the year and like something like five pick sixes, something like that. Um, so like I think it's fair. I think you need to expect that there's a really good chance you're going to turn the ball over here if you're Drew Aller. But it's just about. Like you can accept that, but when you get in a position where you can sniff the end zone, you gotta find pay dirt. So a couple of couple of stats that I find really interesting about Michigan. Michigan's defense. Michigan's opponents Michigan's defense in terms of points allowed by quarter. Six, sixth, first, tied for first, fourth. Third down defense, they're eleventh nationally, yards per play, they're fourth nationally. Opponent yards per rush is thirteenth nationally at three point one. Uh, opponent yards per attempt, 5.7, which is tied for sixth nationally. Opposing quarterbacks completing about 52.7% of their passes against them, fourth nationally. Opposing passer rating, 95.6, second nationally. You mentioned uh, that they've got 12 or 13 picks. Michigan is the number one defense in the country in terms of the number of dropbacks that lead to an interception. 5.36% I believe I'm reading the stat correctly. 5.36% of the dropbacks that they face end with an interception. And I say all of that to say this. Do you know, Nick, what defense Drew Aller threw the most pass attempts against last year? Last, uh, I mean, it must have been Michigan, right? It was Indiana, but Mm. second was Michigan. Okay. And 
so Drew Auer has to 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 an extent faced what this Michigan defense is. He has faced to an extent, you know, obviously he got into that game. Uh, both of those teams were just trying to get home at that point. But Michigan was trying to get after him. Michigan was trying to embarrass Penn State at that point. Michigan was in total control of Penn State in this one. And between that and seeing what this Michigan defense could be at its absolute best, and you just heard those numbers I read off, their absolute best is real good. And what he experienced against Ohio State a few weeks ago, I think he is prepared for this game in a way that I maybe did not expect coming into this, unless he was going to just straight up be a Heisman contender. I think that when I look at this Michigan team, I don't know if they have a weakness anywhere necessarily on their defense. Will Johnson, Mike Sandersill, Josh Wallace are a really, really good collection of cornerbacks. Uh, Makari Page, Keon Saab, they're really good at preventing big plays. And that front seven with guys like Chris Jenkins, Braden McGregor, uh, Jalen Harrell, Junior Colson, Michael Barrett, they are just nasty up in the front of their defense. And they're going to throw every single thing that they have at Drew. They're a very, uh, very well-coached unit uh, in a line that, in retrospect, is really funny. Uh, I went back and read... Um, went back re- back and read MGO Blog's uh, film recap of the game last year, and they said something to the extent of, uh, I thought that Michigan's defensive coordinator scouted the hell out of Penn State. <laughs> um, and in retrospect, that's very funny, but at the same time, Michigan has players who, if they are in the right positions, it's going to take a Herculean effort to beat them. And one of the, I have like three big points that I want to make in this game, and I will make one of them right now. I think Drew, if Penn State is to win this game, no questions asked, has to be the best quarterback of the two. I think he has it in him. I'm worried about everyone else, obviously, but this is the kind of game that you have a guy like Drew Auer for to potentially go out there and fix and and take care of whatever problems might pop up. Do you agree with that sentiment that Drew Aller has to be the best quarterback in this game? Or do you think do you think Penn State's going to be able to run the ball a little bit, take a little bit of pressure off of him, and not ask him to go have to go out there and take over this game in order for Penn State to win? I think at the very least, he needs to be on the same level of McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um if he's not markedly better, I still think there's a path just because it's, I truly think for the Penn State offense, it is absolutely as simple as be able to throw over the middle of the field and everything is just so much easier. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think at the very yeah. least, he has to be as good as JJ. I don't think this is a game that Penn State can win just by trying to play ball control and run the football and play action on third down. Like, I don't see that yeah. as a reasonable outcome for this game, no. Yeah, I, I, this is the second uh, kind of big point that I was going to make, which is that it's on both sides of the football. Um, but I think Penn State's basically bringing a knife to a gunfight if they try to mis- bully Michigan in this one. I just don't know if they have the physicality in the trenches to be able to push around Michigan's front. Uh, like I think uh, 
in particular, Jenkins and Graham are just go- going Jenkins to give them a... Jenkins is a one of the best defensive linemen in the Big Ten. Graham is uh, 6'3", 318. Jenkins is 6'3", 305. It's just two really huge dudes that pe- the interior Penn State's offensive line that has really struggled over the year is going to have to push around. What... Let's talk about Penn State's skill position guys real quick, Mick. Okay. Do you think, who is the guy, who are the guys among Penn State's skill position guy? Because I think Penn, you would probably agree with me on Penn State having some issues in the trenches in this one. And if I'm not, please, like, by all means, correct me and pick one of the, one or like the offensive lineman, the offensive line in general, whatever. But is there any one particular player that you were watching in this game among Penn State's skill position guys who you think can, um, who you think can unlock Michigan's defense to an extent that nobody really has so far this season. Yeah. Uh, real quick, just to the point of the offensive line. Yeah. I, I Michigan's defensive interior is outstanding. Penn state's offensive interior has struggled. I do think that we saw a little bit of kind of prep for this game last week with Aller yeah. taking a little more opportunity of the rushing lanes in front of him. Um, yeah. It seemed to me like they, that that was an evolution of the offensive bit. And I wonder if that was like, you know, we know Michigan's coming up. We know there's going to be holes in that middle because we know our guys in the middle are going to get beat from time to time. So um, that's that's kind of where I'm thinking of with the interior. As far as other um, the rest of the offense, I, I think it the popular answer is probably like Dante Cephas or insert number two receiver here. But I'm actually oh, here with Keandre Lambert Smith. You took my answer. Damn it. <laughs> I. Because yeah, like obviously you do, you are absolutely going to need a second receiver to step up. Hopefully it is Cephas. He looked great last week, and you know he he's looking a lot more confident. But I think in order for that number two guy to even matter, like you need your one to be your one. You need mm-hmm. Keandre Lambert Smith to find ways to get open because you know for the struggles they have had at times this year, like he and Drew Allert seem to have a great connection. Like they, he is able to deliver the ball in ways that. You know, aside from that one deep ball that Keandre Lambert Smith dropped, like that has been a reliable connection pretty much all year. And, you know, Michigan's cornerbacks are very, very good. I wouldn't necessarily say any of them are like elite, elite, high level NFL draft pick type guys. Um, I, I think Johnson maybe can Johnson, get there. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think Sandra still is like an all American caliber dude, but. He's uh, a, di- a different. I, I, he, he's going though, to be more yeah. on. Yeah, he's going to be more on whoever Penn State has in this. Yeah, like D- Sandra Stills, their Daquan Hardy, just at a higher level. Um, yeah, but yeah, so like I, I think there are opportunities for Keandre Lambert Smith to make plays in this game, but more importantly, like that's the guy who has to make plays. Like they, Drew Aller has to be able to rely on him to be open and has to be able to rely on him to run his routes. You know crisply and correctly and all that stuff and that that is the I think the biggest piece to watch for the offense yeah I I I completely agree on Keandre like this is this is the kind of game where if you want to be Penn State's number one wide receiver you need to show why you need yeah. to show that you deserve to have you know heavy is the head that wears the crown and that crown is going to be on his head and he's going to have to wear it like I having said that I, I did not know this. Keandre is third in the Big Ten in uh, yards per game, in total yards. 
uh, receiving yard behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Year. and Juice yeah. Williams. Yeah, he's had a good year. He has hasn't really had that game. He hasn't really had a game. Maryland to an extent, but he, he hasn't, he hasn't had, one had his uh, yeah. his twenty twenty Jahan against Ohio State game. Right. Yeah. He hasn't had one of those games where it's you know eight to ten receptions, one hundred and forty yards, two touchdowns. He hasn't had that kind of game. And I'm not saying he has to have that if Penn State wants to win, but this is one of those games where the cream rises to the top. And I am looking forward to seeing if Keandre can prove that he is capable of doing that. And then the other guy I just really wanted to quickly shout out was Katron Allen. Uh, because I think if Penn State, I think with what we've seen, and I, I don't know how to phrase this, because this is a really difficult, really tough thing uh, to articulate, but like, I don't think Penn State should just bench Nick Singleton or anything like that. I think that we're constantly Singleton getting past one final guy away from the faith in him being rewarded. Mm -hmm. I, he's, you know, Allen missed a little bit of time uh, in left Northwestern game or whatever it was the injury. Singleton still is Penn State's leader in carries on the year. Uh, among Penn State's running backs, Singleton has 19 receptions, Allen has 10. So they've given Singleton opportunities to do stuff. And he just quite hasn't been able to take advantage of them. And I'm not saying bench him, but what I am saying is I think Katron Allen needs to be the bell cow in this game. I think what we have seen out of Katron Allen, his willingness to be physical, his willingness to, you know, get past a defender, but also absorb contact and run through it, especially last week after he had, uh, had a really good game, his second best game of the season in terms of uh, rushing yards with uh, 91 yards on 14 carries. I think you need to reward him. And I think he has something going right now. And I think for what Penn State wants to do in terms of speed and physical, in terms of physicality and toughness and nastiness, he's the guy you got to rely on. And then you pick your spots with Singleton. Again, I don't necessarily think they need to bench Singleton or anything like that. I just think if we're talking about breaking down snaps, I'd prefer it's more... 70-30 than 50-50 or 55-45 or anything like that. It's just, I really hope one of those two guys are able to do something because if not, things get hairy real quick for this Penn State offense and Aller finds himself, I think, in a position where he has to do everything in this game. And for how much I think he is capable of doing that, he has to have guys who are able to help him get to that point. But... Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll we'll get past the concern about Penn State's offense and talk about something that I'm a little bit more optimistic about, which is home field apparel. Nick, uh, are you are you wearing any home field right now? Not today. I'm rocking my Tuddy's hoodie, so no home field right now. Oh, uh, I'm wearing my uh, Tuddy's t. We uh, I'm wearing my t-shirt. Uh, that's from a different thing. <laughs> uh, but yes, home field apparel, longtime sponsor of the podcast, been our podcast sponsor since we went podcast only. Uh, you've heard the ramble about them before on this podcast, but they have, if there is a Penn State thing that you want, you can find it from Home Field Apparel t-shirts, crewnecks, uh, hoodies, uh, sweaters, joggers, their new jacket. I think there's a quarter. There's just so much stuff for Penn State fans to add to their collection of Penn State gear. And I am going to recommend you spend some money on something from Home Field Apparel. I love spending money on things from Home Field Apparel. It's They've been a really great partner for us, and they've been really great to Penn State fans. And Penn State fans have, in return, 
been really great to him. And even if you're not a Penn State fan, you could take advantage of the offer that we're about to say, which is that if you have never purchased anything from Home Field Apparel before, use the promo code RLR2023, RLR23, apologies, for 15% off of your first order. Again, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order. Thank you again to Home Field Apparel for sponsoring this podcast. Nick, let's get back to talking about Penn State, Michigan, by going with Penn State's defense against Michigan's offense. And can you hear that rumbling, Nick? <laughs> Somewhere off in the distance, Chase Winovich, he's got the shakes because he's thinking about a revenge game for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Do you, like, all serious, do you think that the... Do you, do you think there might be a little bit of an element of, boy, they kicked our asses last year? Absolutely. I mean, who was I? I think I was listening to... I think I was listening to Josh Pate earlier as he was breaking down this game, and he was talking about when he visited Penn State this past offseason that, like, he heard from multiple people that they, like, the defense was still thinking about the rushing attack in that in the Michigan Penn State game last year and how they were talking about they were never going to let that happen again. I think it would be foolish to think otherwise that you know that this is absolutely not on their minds yeah you uh you know it's something that we alluded to uh earlier we didn't give the full number michigan ran for 418 yards on 55 carries last year against penn state 7.6 yards uh per rush michigan had the ball for 42 minutes in the game last year and like everything is just shaping up to Penn State's defense playing with their hair on fire, mm-hmm. including the fact I still think Michigan's running rushing offense, Nick, is pretty good, but they've just been a little bit off this year. Blake Corum, 16 rushing touchdowns, but 126 carries, 649 yards, 5.2 yards per attempt. Donovan Edwards, 74, 232, 3.1 yards per attempt. I think even with the talent that Michigan has there, with the fact that the interior, with their offensive line is pretty good, Zach Zinter is probably the best interior offensive lineman in college football. And the fact that Penn State's, the middle of Penn State's defense is still a little bit light, I think Penn State's defense is going to be able to bottle up to an extent Michigan's rushing offense. Yeah, it's it's weird because, well, not I shouldn't say it's weird. The weird, well, that's a lie. The weird thing is that Donovan Edwards is not doing anything. That's yeah. that's very weird. Like it's he is one of the most purely talented running backs I've seen, and he just cannot get going this year. It's very odd. Um, and then Blake Corum, you know, the numbers look good, but when you watch him on tape, it's like he's he's still a phenomenal running back. He just doesn't quite have the same wiggle this year that he's had in the past. Like, you know, give him a lane, let him run through it. He's he's gonna he's gonna bust through it. He's gonna make a play, you know, nine times out of ten. But it's just not quite the same with him. So mm-hmm. overall, like, yeah, it's it's still a really good rushing attack, but it just feels off. Like it there's you know, there not everything is clicking, not every gear is turning for them. So this is, you know, absolutely an opportunity for Penn State's defense to assert themselves and really try to make Michigan one dimensional, I think, because, you know, 
you know, coming into the season, one of the things we talked about was like how well are Adisa Isaac, Denai Dennis Sutton, and Chop Robinson going to hold up as uh, rush defenders? I think they've been outstanding as rush defenders. Um, they've been really impressive there. The interior, you know, even though they're lighter, like we and you know, we see a lot of guys rotate there. So sometimes they're lighter, sometimes they're not. But they've been great against the run too. Obviously, Jacobs King and mm-hmm. uh, Carter have been fantastic. Like. There is absolutely an opportunity for Penn State to do what they have done all season long and shut down another running attack and really put this entirely on McCarthy's on McCarthy's shoulders. Yeah, an interesting thing is that Michigan uh, ninth nationally in yards per play, but thirty sixth in yards uh, for rushing attack. Um, I yeah, Corum just doesn't quite look the same, um, which to be expected, like. Yeah, off of his injury in Edwards. Edwards has like a little singleton about him where there are times where he just doesn't look like, you know, you could tell the talent is there, but he just doesn't look like the most like natural, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't look as fluid as the other guy. Um, but a uh, uh, real quick, uh, a, a quick diversion because I want to get Nick's, uh, I want to hear Nick react to this on the pod. Uh, Nick, you were aware that uh, Michigan's attorney or Jim Harbaugh's attorney sent a 10 page letter to the Big Ten uh, about the sportsmanship investigation. Yes, I am. Are you aware uh, it was just determined that uh, parts of his letter, if it was just determined, were plagiarized, almost entirely copy and pasted uh, by MGO from an MGO blog? Oh my God! Listen, here's here. Penn State has to win because these people are just so such losers, dude. They are such nerds. They are such dorks. Oh my God! Penn State has to win for that reason alone because I I need to talk shit. I need to be able to say mean things to Michigan fans in the air. They need to think of me while they do this. Uh, but yeah, sorry. I just saw that and I needed to. Oh my god! I needed to bring it up to Nick. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that funny enough, this all leads into the thing that Michigan is great at this year. Uh, po- fun fact: points by quarter, Michigan tenth, tenth, first, and seventieth. Because by the fourth quarter, they're just out of football games. And the reason why they are so frequently out of football games is that they are fifth nationally in yards per attempt. They have the second best team passer rating in America. J.J. McCarthy literally, legitimately, apologies, is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He is second nationally in QBR. And a couple of quotes, uh, our buddy Daniel Downover at 24-7 got these uh, during media availabilities this week. Uh, First, Kalen King, uh, J.J., very good quarterback. The one thing that stands out to me about their offense is just the way they throw the ball. I would say the Michigan team that we'll face this year is much different than last year. Last year, they were very run-dependent, run-heavy. And I feel like this year they're the total opposite of that. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I feel like a lot of people just think they're still smash mouth, move the ball, run 40, 50 times a game. Uh, mentioned they're a very well-rounded team. And then Jaden Reed got asked to respond to that uh, and whether he agrees. Then he said, I would say yes, because last year they were heavy on the run game, very heavy. The quarterback is a great player. He's a great athlete. He's gotten better over the year, and they're starting to believe in him and trust in the pass game. I feel like they're more complete and they're more of a dual threat type of offense now. To me, this is the game. This is the game, Nick. Can Penn State stop J.J. McCarthy from throwing the ball, opening up running lanes for himself and their running backs, 
And that's where I'm going, ooh, even with how like how much talent Penn State's defensive backfield is, that's a really, really tough, tough thing to do. Yeah, it's <clears throat> this this to me, it, it's it's weird because I I think the clear Clearly, the the biggest thing here is Penn State's offense against Michigan's defense. But I kind of think the game is decided on this side of the ball, honestly, because yeah. it like so Michigan has some very good receivers. Roman Wilson is awesome, um, very small, but like a very very awesome receiver. This Michigan receiver room does not have a Marvin Harrison Jr. Like they don't have a trump card dude out there out wide, and. This Penn State secondary remains excellent. They are really, really, really good football players. And I'm fascinated to see what is going to happen when a good but not elite receiving core like what Michigan has goes up against a great to elite defensive backfield that Penn State has and adding the fact that Penn State has the best pass rush that Michigan will have seen this year by far which is you know, presumably going to take away some of the opportunities that they will have to create things off script and let J.J. McCarthy you know, extend plays with his legs, get outside the pocket, wait for someone to come open, and then fire down. Because J.J. McCarthy's been excellent this year, and he's been great at staying within the confines of the play call, but he's also been fantastic at keeping plays alive and making plays out of nothing. But he hasn't had to do it against a team that can rush the passer the way Penn State can, and against a team that can presumably do that while still allowing, you know, Curtis Jacobs or Abdul Carter to play more of a spy role in order to keep McCarthy mm-hmm. from using his legs too much out of the backfield um, off schedule. So it's it's a fascinating matchup because, like you said, like and like those quotes like bore out. This is a very different Michigan offense, and they want to beat you through the air mm-hmm. first and foremost. Penn State's defense is really well suited to stop you from doing that. Not that they haven't also been fantastic against the run. They've been the best team in the country against the run, but like I I can't see how you could feel especially good going into a game against Penn State knowing I need to throw to win because Penn State has dudes back there. They're going to make plays. Like they they don't have the they don't have like six pick sixes like Michigan does this year, but I believe they're only uh, like I think Penn State has ten interceptions, so they're not far behind in that regard. Like they're this is a really good defensive backfield, and mm-hmm. throwing into it too much is playing with fire. Yeah, and Michigan's not go- like I just don't think Michigan's going to turn the ball over on the year. Uh, they're fifth nationally tied for fifth nationally in turnovers, lost with six, two were fumbles. One was last week when a punt hit somebody. Penn four State specialty. Pick. Yes. Four picks. Three of them J.J. McCarthy threw against Bowling Green, and he hasn't thrown <laughs> one since. So I don't know if turnovers are going to be the path for Penn State, but if there is one thing that might be exploitable for Penn State in this one, Michigan's quarterbacks are sacked on about 4.5% of their dropbacks, which is 32nd nationally. But over the last three weeks which were Michigan's games against Indiana, Michigan State, and Purdue. Uh, Indiana and Purdue are two uh, defenses, two teams with like defensive head coaches, very um, very well-coached units. Uh, you and know, then guy, there's guys Michigan you, State. Groups <laughs> that you can maybe take something from. And Michigan State, yeah, they're, they're not exactly great. 
that number has jumped up to 7.84% of their dropbacks are ending in sacks, which I don't have the exact number of what that is over that span, but on the season, that would be 98th nationally. Indiana got home four times. Michigan State got home once. Purdue got home three times. All of them are defenses that you that should not be able to get home against Michigan. So Michigan has some really, really good players in their uh in their passing game. Roman Wilson, 10 touchdowns, leads the nation in receiving touchdowns. He's maybe the best player in the nation that nobody talks about. Cornelius Johnson is a really good, really reliable number two. And Colston Loveland, matchup nightmare type at a tight end. My guess is Curtis Jacobs is going to have a very busy day chasing him. Penn State has to get home. They have to get home and get J.J. McCarthy down. And they cannot let J.J. McCarthy on those third and eight, third and nine situations, if they're able to get into them, scramble and pick up 14, 15 yards with his legs because they have to be able to get off the field against this Michigan offense. Uh, obviously, a potential return for Chop Robinson, a potential return for Amin Vanover. Both of those things have to happen. Like Both of those things would be huge. Uh, chop out returning, obviously, would be gigantic. But you look at all these little things in this game for Penn State, Nick, and this gets to kind of my X factor in this one, which is that Michigan truly in a way that is unparalleled in the rest of college football has not played anybody Mm -hmm. through this point in this season. As of this week, and I mentioned this on the uh, pod I did earlier in the week, Michigan is 111th in terms of strength of schedule by ESPN's FPI. Do you know how many Power 5 teams have played an easier schedule up to this point than Michigan? I'm going to guess two. That is too, too many. <laughs> Michigan has played the easiest schedule in Power 5. The next easiest Power 5 schedule is North Carolina at 99th nationally. Mm. So it's not just they have played the easiest. They have played by far the easiest schedule so far. And their remaining schedule is number one in college football. So one the kind of big thing, X factor for me, Nick, it's the fact that Penn State's been in a game like this this, this season. Yeah. It's the fact that Michigan has it. Like, Penn State is going to throw things at Michigan that Michigan just has not seen in terms of the talent that they have, in terms of the speed, athleticism, strength, all those sorts of things. And it's going to be, in like, this is the sort of thing where the fa- if Michigan can't respond to that right away, this is going to be a football game. If yeah. Michigan is just that good... And honestly, I think it's very possible that Michigan is just that good. We're going to learn very quickly that it's going to be quite the uphill climb for Penn State. What yeah. is your cut, like, X-Factor, X-Factor for you? And just generally jumping off of that, what do you think about um, the ain't-played-nobody corollary? Yeah, and I, I think it's... <clears throat> I, I, think, I don't think anybody's under the assumption that Michigan is actually, like, not a good football team. I think we all are very aware how good they are despite the fact that they haven't played anybody anybody mm-hmm. at all but we know they're still really good the thing that can to your point like the the way that that can hurt them in a game like this against Penn State is not so much like like their talent level is their talent level like they they are going to play the way they're capable of playing 
the place it shows up is just like those little things that you get accustomed to over the course of a long, easy road to this point. It's an offensive lineman being half a second late getting mm-hmm. into their getting into their block, um, like an offensive tackle being half a second late on jumping back because they're used to getting away with it. They haven't had to you know, be perfect this year. It's a receiver not taking that one more step back to the comeback route pass and having someone step in front of it to at least knock it down because they haven't had to do that. It's a defensive player, you know, maybe not going 100% after a play because they see two teammates in front of them knowing that they're probably going to make the play instead. It's like all those little things that you can get accustomed to over the course of a long schedule. Those are the places where Penn State can kind of surprise Michigan. Um, and that's not to say Michigan won't be prepared. They will be. They're very talented. It's not like, you know, all, most of these kids have been in a game like this, this exact game mm-hmm. before. It's just when you play, you know, nine games in a season before this that all pretty much follow the same script, it can lull you to sleep a little bit. So I, I think that Penn State has a really great chance to jump out to an early lead in this game. And I think they have to do that. Um, as far as other X factors, like, I, I, I truly think that, you know, just the home environment and the crowd is absolutely one in this game because there is, you know, there's always a degree of, you know, fan interaction and involvement in a big game like this, whether Michigan, Ohio State or anybody else. But add in all the stuff that's been going on with Michigan add the sign stealing, all that stuff, like there's just a little bit extra juice and that energy that the fan base can bring even more so than distracting Michigan I think is something that the Penn State team itself just needs behind it like it's something that Drew Aller needs like he needs the juice of the fans on his side Challenger Lambert Smith loves performing for the fans like that that's what he's all about like he needs that juice behind him the defense needs to be able to have those fans to signal to and wave to after big second or third down stops like I think that is absolutely a big factor here even though the game is at noon it's not quite the same as a night game um, I, I hope it's enough. Uh, we, you know, we talked a lot about Keandre Lambert Smith already and how important he is to this game. We talked about Drew Aller. Um, I think the other person that I have my eye on specifically is Abdul Carter in this game, yeah. because I think he's going to be often assigned to be a spy on JJ McCarthy. And, you know, kind of in tandem with that, my X factor is kind of like, connected to that is the way Manny Diaz calls this game. Like I'm really interested, interested to see how often he blitzes knowing that, you know, blitzing could leave an open lane for somebody like, um, someone like Donovan Edwards to sneak out of the backfield and be wide open or for JJ McCarthy to see a hole and bust right through it. I almost wonder if we see more blitzing early and then we see them bluff a lot of blitzes later and then drop back into coverage to try to force JJ into something that, you know, maybe he tries to rush yeah. based on blitzes earlier. So, um, try and confuse him. Yeah. I, th- I think the, the way that Manny Diaz calls this game too is definitely an X factor. Yeah. And just kind of the last thing, like, you, I, I think it's a thing I said on, on that last pod. Confidence is a hell of a drug, man. Yep. Like, we saw a Penn State team with no confidence against Ohio State. We saw a Penn State team with n- little to no confidence against Indiana. And we saw a Penn State team real confident against Maryland, putting up maybe its best performance of the season, uh, going out there and, you know, hours threw the ball around. They were able to run the ball a little bit. All these things that 
you kind of hope they're peaking at the right time and mm-hmm. you kind of hope they can carry them into this game. Uh, noon kick. Big noon kickoff. Gus and Klatt are going to be there talking about narratives for the oh. next three and a half hours. Yep. Uh, Michigan, four and a half point favorites. Total is 44 and a half. SP Plus has this 27-21 Michigan. Nick, what do you think? What do you think about that four and a half number? And then ultimately, what's your prediction on this game? I think four and a half is a really good number. Um, I, I think there is absolutely a very, very real chance that Penn State wins this game. And, you know, obviously that I'm not going out of limb or anything. FPI has Penn State winning, what, 50.6 or 50.4% of the time. Like, there, and like, th- this is absolutely on the table as far as, you know, the models are all concerned and whatnot. I, I would love to say that last week's offensive, last week's offensive explosion against Maryland was enough to carry forward into this game and really keep them humming at that same level. Um, that we'll see Drew be able to throw the ball over the field on time with precision, all that stuff, hit those slants over the middle when there's blitzers, take advantage of that stuff, see Katron get going on the ground. I think we will see pieces of that. Like, I do think Drew Aller is going to have a good game. I think Katron Allen is going to be able to do some things on the ground. I think Keandre Lambert-Smith is going to have a good game. I think the defense is going to be excellent as expected. I just, at this moment in time, don't, think it's going to be enough to outdo what Michigan is going to be able to do. I think McCarthy is going to be able to make some big plays happen either with his legs directly or by escaping the pocket and letting someone uh, like Roman Wilson get loose with that incredible speed that he has. I think that the Michigan defense is going to be able to confuse Drew Aller enough in order to perhaps turn him over at least once, but at the very least, you know, corral them for the most part, even though I think all those guys are going to have good games. I, I don't know if it's going to be enough to get to, you know, I, I think if either team gets a 30 points in this game, they are the clear, they no shot. They lose. Like if either team gets yeah. a 30, they are automatically winning this game. I think though, right now I see this something as like Michigan 26, Penn state 21, maybe Michigan 24, Penn State 20, something like that, I think is going to be a very close game down to the last possession. I think Michigan is good enough and better enough, though, to overcome the environment, overcome the what surely has been a monumentally distracting week for that whole team, I'm sure, hilariously, deservedly, but incredibly distracting. I, I think they're going to have just enough to get this one done in Happy Valley. So I said there were three points I wanted to make it a point to make on this pod. One of them was that Drew has to be the best quarterback in this game. One was, I think, if Penn State is trying to bully Michigan, they're bringing the knife to a gunfight. And this is the third one, and this is ultimately why I'm picking Michigan to win. I think Penn State needs to play a perfect football game. I think whatever the perfect version of a Penn State football game is, they need to play it. And I don't necessarily think Michigan does. And that's obviously within reason. If JJ goes out there and throws four picks and, you know, corn fumbles and, uh, you know, everything just goes wrong for them on defense, like obviously that's different. But 
I think they can afford to take one or two punches from Penn State. And I think Penn State has it in them to throw one or two of those punches and still be okay. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I am picking Michigan to win this game. Uh, I, I'm really, really spooked by just how rock solid their defense is at just about everything. Yeah. And I don't know if I trust all 11 guys on Penn State's offense to be able to take it to them. I think Penn State's defense is going to put a one hell of an effort in this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if ultimately Michigan is just able to pull away a little bit at the end. And there's all the talk about, you know, we talked about Penn State's confidence. We talked about kind of this black cloud hanging over Michigan of who knows if Harbaugh is going to be there. Who knows how much longer Harbaugh is going to be there. Who knows this, this, blah, 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 blah. That could be galvanizing for a team too. Sure. And with how good this team has been, with how kind of laser focused this team has been, I think we need to consider the possibility that that this kind of gives them a bit of a, you, you know, gives them a little bit of a spark. So I think that Penn State's right there for most of this game. I think Michigan pulls away a little bit at the end and it turns into a game that is like 28-17, 31-17, something in that ballpark. But it's closer than that for most of this football game. Uh, I will say this, Nick. I really hope you and me are wrong. As do I. I it, And again, I think it's very on the table that we are. Yeah, I mean, so so do I. Like it's, it, I think it's very possible that Penn State wins. I just think there are a lot more paths for Michigan to end up winning this football game. Uh, but if Nick and I end up being wrong, uh, I will be hopping on a Twitter space after this and let all of you say mean things to me. I will be very happy to do that. Nick uh, will be dependent on his day. Everyone else dependent on their days. But we'll we'll see. Hopefully that ends up happening. Nick, do you have any final thoughts before we send the people off to their weekend? If Penn State beats Michigan, I will absolutely join the Spaces call. 100%. Awesome. So here's hoping we're able to do that. Thank you, as always, for listening to Roar Wise Roar. Please make sure you're subscribing wherever you go. And get your podcast. If you use Apple Podcasts, go leave us a five-star review. Spotify, leave us five stars. Give us a Q&A there. YouTube, go make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. Hop into the comments. Talk ball with other Penn State fans and fans from other teams as they uh, decide to pop in there and talk ball. With all of you, follow us on Twitter over at RLR Blog. And thank you, as always, to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the podcast. Again, for first-time customers, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order. One last time, thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. For Nick Pollock, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Go State.